Welcome to season two of Hell in a Cell Phone. Why is it season two, you might ask? We're not really sure either, but it is. Uh, we are have listened to the, the stony silence that our Pacific Blue episodes have garnered, and we are going back to looking at the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit. I'm joined, as always, by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, hello. And the guy who knows nothing, Eric Silver. Hi, happy to be on the podcast where we are talking about wrestling again. And we had so many time codes for our homework this time because what we're doing for all of you is we are starting from the start and looking at the build of the ministry from all the way back before the Royal Rumble, leading up past WrestleMania, to our next episode, our next uh, pay-per-view episode, which is Backlash 1999. So we just need a little bit of a recap. The story so far, um, Austin and Undertaker had their feud featuring the attempted embalming and crucifixion and sewer diving and so on, uh, which ended with a subpar uh, buried alive match at rock bottom. The Brood are still practicing a gothic lifestyle Their latest gimmick is having the lights flash and turn off and then their opponent waking up with a bloodbath. Which, by the way, they're they're like fine calling that blood. It's only when they drink it that it's a That's a viscous viscous liquid. Farouk and Bradshaw were separately recruited by the Jackal um, and originally known as the Hell's Henchman. He would uh, very quickly redub them his acolytes, and he would disappear. But they would be known for um, intense beatings of either opponents during a match or during run-ins. And after the Godwins and Southern Justice, Dennis Knight hasn't had much to do except cover up his disgusting redneck tattoo with a sleeve that still features heavily the Confederate flag. So that's where we are when we get to December 28th, 1998 where Dennis Knight is just chatting it up with his old buddy X-Pac backstage in the kind of segment that they never show unless there's going to be something coming of it later on. I like this footage of Dennis Knight and X-Pac because it reminded me of one of those like um, Unlikely Animal Friends videos. <laughs> <laughs> what do this turtle and this penguin have in common? Yeah, Click like, to find at, out. Look at this cow. He's friends with this duck. And you're like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Uh, but like, because like, what what are they talking about back there? Could you imagine? Like, is what's the idea here that they 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 are very good friends, but they haven't seen each other in a while? Like, are they coworkers? So if they're are they well, new friends? Is this an office romance? What am I seeing? So here's how I took it, because like Dennis Knight, it seems like like uh, maybe X Pac was just like, you know, in there taping up, and Dennis Knight kind of was like walks in. And and Xbox like, hey man, what are you doing here? This is like your night off because you don't wrestle with us. <laughs> and like and Dennis Knight was like, because Dennis Knight is sitting there going, so he told I, I I was told to be here. I had to be some. They they told me to be here. And I was the first note I took was no one would tell Dennis Knight he had to be anywhere except his parole officer. That's not true. He needs to be there for tapings of Saturday main event. <laughs> Saturday and main event don't go together. It's like uh, jumbo shrimp. (laughs) 
But as Eric mentioned, the commentators tell us that he told him to be here. And so then it led to this amazing exchange where King is like, so somebody told him to be here? And Michael Cole said, yes. <laughs> there are some real good Michael Cole and King moments throughout this uh, this storyline. Yeah, they're... Um, their chemistry is that the right word to describe them is definitely something to behold it it, calling it chemistry is like calling uh salad dressing a solution (laughs) you know like like the olive oil and the vinegar are not actually interacting at all it's just they're just globules that are like next to each other yeah they're real they they have a real on-screen suspension I'm glad we tag teamed that one. <laughs> it was the doomsday device of, of, of uh, shit. <laughs> Salad dressing puns? I don't know. So this story ramps up very quickly because out of nowhere we cut to behind the arena where the acolytes are beating up Dennis Knight and throwing him into the trunk of the car. And then it led to a moment where the acolytes got in and drove, which just screamed wrong to me. Like, acolytes shouldn't be doing regular person thinks yeah they should be driving like a chariot made of fire <laughs> not not an oldsmobile <laughs> right like they 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 like put the car from park into drive they like hit a red light and they stopped and patiently wait for traffic and they adjusted like, their mirrors they, right <laughs> they see an old woman coming to the stop sign they wave her in then they get frustrated because like she's not going so then they go but then she's about to go so they stop and now they're both stopping over and over and they're both waving each other it's terrible they must have asked undertaker if they could take the dragula but he said no <laughs> um did, were we were we all thinking that dennis knight had to knock out the rear headlight <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I have that note multiple times. Yep. The story beat yes. they return to, and a lot of times, like, yep. oh, I hope someone told them to pull that tail light out. <laughs> I definitely have that literally written in my notes, word for word. Yes, Same. yes. Dennis Knight knock out the rear headlight. Yep. Um, I do. I also, what were you gonna say? I just want to take a second to remember that around this time, Rob Zombie had an entire song that was like, "Hey guys, look at my scary car." Did he? Yeah, Dragula. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just remember, like, I don't know. There's, like, one Rob Zombie song I think I can remember, like, offhand. Yeah. And, and I'm clearly not remembering it now. You know why? Because it was on that video for that, like, um, alternative rock compilation CD that also had uh, <laughs> Black Hole Sun. And they showed, like, 10-second clips from all the music videos in the commercial. And one of them was always a Rob Zombie song. Yes. And it was him. And it was, like, a weird, like, fucking, like, uh, scary car they were driving in. And it was, like, shittily shot in a green screen. I could see the image in my head clear as day, but I could not tell you how the tune went. Because I was thinking of the one where it's like, it's kind of like weird. It's like uh, shot in negative, And it's just like, I'm just seeing his face with like the cowboy hat and the dreads. Is that right? Uh, Eric is thinking of more human than human, I think. Yes. yes which yes, which yes. actually still slaps. It's a very good song. Yeah. But no, I don't know Dragula. Dragula was uh, like that's. It was also in the Matrix, Dragula. Wait, Dragula? It, it, it's a car, and it was in the Matrix. No, the song Dragula. This the the song Dragula is an ode to the monsters' scary car, which was called their Dragula. Wow! Welcome to oh boy, <laughs> Helen. No, Rob and a zum. <laughs> nope. Well, you have I'm to have Helen there. 
Yes. Uh, hell, uh, hell it's, in an alt rock phone? No. Well, it's Hellbilly. Okay. In, it's Ooh. Hellbilly in a cell phone. Hellbilly Deluxe was actually the name of the album with, uh, with, um, Dragula on it. With Rob Zombie historian, uh, Aaron <laughs> Benoit. I own one fuck, album. Dude? I own one album. Wait, wait, oh, wait. Are you, a, are you trying not to be a poser? Yeah, is it still <laughs> is this <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. So you know the car, right? You know the name of you know how you know what Dragula was about, right? Okay. Aaron, you're cool. <laughs> Our next podcast should just be me and Eric buying you various t shirts and making you become fans of various things. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a way different budget than what we have for this. I mean, I don't know if like Spencer Gifts is like still in business. Or if they're going out or whatever. Listen, but. we don't have novelty t-shirt money here. <laughs> <laughs> In this economy? <laughs> Every shirt we, we get, Aaron, is like XXXL because that's the only like cheap version that they have available. <laughs> like the overstock shirts. They're all toddler versions. <laughs> get from... <laughs> Um, in a serious note, though, I, you know, for, for the ministry, um, I wish that the Acolytes had, like, a different fighting style. Like, no fucking no, way. No, Hard no, no. disagree. Definitely no. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, well, I guess, okay, maybe this is more just a, a, a commentary on the ministry in general. I think my issue with, like, with... Like when I'm seeing the the ministry involved in wrestling activities, it's a little jarring because it's just them wrestling, at, but then they also happen to be part of the ministry. It's 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 like a, a different feeling from you know from like uh, you know Bray Wyatt is the obvious go to where Bray Wyatt the way he wrestles is has a has is 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 the gimmick as well as the gimmick itself, right? Like mm-hmm. he wrestles in gimmick. He's spooky, though. Alkalites aren't spooky. So they're evil. A, a good comparison a, a, that's very apt, oddly enough, because I just recently rewatched this movie, like maybe like last weekend or maybe two weekends ago, uh, Mortal Kombat, okay? If Bray Wyatt and Undertaker are like the Emperor, then uh, the Acolytes are like Goro. Like, they're also evil, but they're like a henchman, a very strong, incredibly powerful kind of evil. They're more like the okay. muscle. Now, they're not like the spooky um, powers. They're not like the mysticism. They're more just like uh, the, the the mysticism guy's evil uh, henchmen, for lack of a better word. They're just right. uh, so like they're they're the muscle. So they just kind of like are the big beat 'em ups that come through and are really they're, they're, strong. They're the bebop and the rock steady. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Retracted. So like, they're still scary. They're still like a dark. There's still like they, there's like a lack of empathy and a lack of humanity to them. But they're not. There's no mysticism. I think really to them. They follow the Undertaker. They are his acolytes. But they uh, the same way that like Austin Theory um, and Buddy Murphy are Rollins acolytes. But these guys. Uh, are- I I kind of want to go back to that as we go on though because I think that there is there. There's something to what Eric is saying here, but I think it, it's less about their in-ring presence and more about some of the choices that they make outside of the ring that I have an issue with. Okay, all right, I, I, I'm open. To, I'm open to, to exploring that space. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, like, yeah, I, I'm fine. I don't need them to be, like, super, super spooky. I think I just want them to be a little bit more, like, a, like it's, it, it, it really is, it's like when you, when something tastes a little bit off about food, you're like, I, I can't really say why. It's just, like, the, like, the way that they carry themselves. It's, be- or, you know, it's because they, you're a, it's because you're a cop at Shake Shack. Yes, right. They uh, they didn't they didn't clean the uh, the pipes or they put a tampon in. I don't remember, but honestly, I'm calling it in. Honestly, guys, I'm I'm gonna say it right now. Do you know what the problem is? What? Hmm. GBL stupid face. That's the problem. Yeah, we're all having a hard time believing <laughs> that the devil would choose him to be like one of his like uh, powerful forces when he's got a face like that. Well, you're like, I wouldn't well, trust this guy to like watch my car when I ran to the gas station real quick. But this is also this power. This is also the least dumb look that Bradshaw has ever or will ever have. Somehow, Which I also was marveling at because he's got essentially like a almost like a Steve Perry journey mullet happening that looks like he died with shoe polish, <laughs> and then he's got way more earrings than i ever remember him having yes yeah like two or three yeah and then he draws i don't know wingdings on his chest what is that what is it supposed to be it doesn't it's not a symbol that's recognizable it's just like some squiggly marks i was like i'm i don't know and yet though no no it it means it it, bobby it means that a dishonest man lives here (laughs) he's he's got hobo code right across his chest no, but it's like a Zodiac thing, right? That's kind of like a, like a Zodiac killer kind of almost. I don't know. I could never make uh, out what it's supposed to be before it gets smushed off their sweaty boobies. I have no idea what's <laughs> happening. He's a Taurus. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I get like it's. It's like when they when they just kind of do like the um the brawling like fast punch beatdown. It doesn't feel like like uh you know like oh. Here comes the evil muscle. It just feels like, oh, here comes the guys who are just gonna beat down. Like I've seen, I've seen those beatdowns before. So it would, it would be more interesting to me if I saw like a different like flavor of beatdown or like something where they're just you know where like they're a little bit more imposing and they like they have less action in what they're doing and it's more just like the unseen threat of of like what they're going to deliver if that makes sense again i want to talk about this more when we get into seeing them in the ring a little bit more sure um but yeah this is this is a hard disagree for me eric well, let's let's move on to Dennis Knight. Uh, yeah. in in somebody's oubliette. Yeah, at, at this point, we're 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 about like uh, two and a half minutes into all of the content that we watched for this deep dive. So and about the six hours of content we watched for this. <laughs> it's the Ken Burns Ministry documentary. So we're going now. It's January fourth. Um, immediately after China proposes a threesome to Mark Henry, we cut to Dennis Knight, who's tied up in a pit. There's busted up barbed wire at his feet. He's screaming for help. And I think this is pretty effective. I say leave him there. (laughs) Yeah, I think they could have done more. I wish this was one beat. It felt like the same beat repeated a couple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I didn't really think it it, it progressed necessarily each time. Because I want to say, like, of all the times we checked in with them, I feel like it maybe, like, heightened once. 
Uh, Wait, Bobby, are, Bobby, are you saying that the ministry is capable of repeating the same beat multiple <laughs> times with uh, no heightening? Uh, speaking of rapid fire beatdowns, uh, <laughs> the beats the beats just keep coming with this crew. Um, I do have another problem with uh, the acolytes during this. Farouk and Bradshaw are wearing shirts, and I don't think the acolytes should ever wear shirts. I don't make the acolyte rules. I don't know. Well, I think it's I, uh, the implication is shirts equal laundry, and if you are a henchman of hell, you're not like going to buy Tide Pods on the weekends. <laughs> well, you know what it is. It's no shirt, no shoes, no demonic service. <laughs> so eventually, they come in, tell him it's time, and he's thrown into like a bright, smoky room that's like the deadlights or something. Right. Imagine the deadlights, but with none of the mythology or the interest behind it. It's, it's just it's just the lights. In so many ways, this was just like the finale of the second season of American Horror Story. <laughs> and I will Did say I nothing else to add to that metaphor. I will just let the people who know get it. Good, because, yeah, was... I'm, I'm, I've never started. These was are that asylum? Wild things to talk about. Yeah, that was asylum. With the aliens. Kinda... Yeah. I think I kind of like that one. I don't know. No. This, okay. Uh, following week, January 11th, Dennis Knight is here mumbling about fractions years before Big Papa Pump did. What's up with his shirt? Oh, it's it. it, it, it I think like this was actually one of the better Dennis Knight performances mm-hmm. because it looks like it looks like he kind of like. Um, it, it, it sort of looks like he's like sort of escaped captivity, but he's already been turned. So like his shirt looked like I think like shredded a little bit, right? But so, his like, shirt now he's his shirt was like nothing but vertical shreds that didn't go all the way to the top. I just want to picture the kind of like torture or whatever he went through that made his shirt rip that way. It's kind of like summer camp where you get your t-shirts, you kind of like cut them and tie them all on the side. <laughs> yeah, really exactly. You go to Six Flags. <laughs> so they're, they're working on that before they yeah. sacrifice. Acolytes, we're all going to wear our shirts to color war, right? <laughs> um, no, but like I, but like, um, you know, I will soon retract, uh, you know, pull this statement back. But at this moment, like if I'm living in, in Eric watching this, at that moment, I was like, oh, you know what? This is good use of Dennis Knight. Like, he does a good version of, like, the the really, like, crazy, rambling vagrant on the street. Like, the guy who's like, the end is nigh! He's like, doing, that kind of guy. He's doing uh, Renfield here. And, and I kind of dig it. At first, I, you dig it. Eh, and then... I don't know. I kind of... There's nothing else I want Dennis Knight to be doing. Like, I don't want his, like, Southern character 3.0, so he might as well be doing this for me. No, I mean, I, that's a good point, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, and, and we'll cover this later, but basically there's a certain point where I'm just, like, he starts to, like, he's, it starts to just, he just starts to be, like, the most annoying part of the ministry, and it, it, it's almost like when, like, let's say you're, like, you're a fan of something and you decide to go to, like, a con for them, and you're like, oh god! Like, is this what the other fans are like? And you, like, it just makes you feel like everything about what you were into is uncool. You're like, oh no, no, no! I didn't want that. Like, you know, like he's he's it's not it's not quite like comic book guy, but like it's very like 
you know, I don't know, like maybe you're really into like My Little Pony and then you just meet like the bronies and you're like, no, 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 no. So then um, we get our first long rambling Undertaker monologue as we uh, <laughs> later in the show have... <laughs> Go on, sorry. Have, I, I'm just thinking about it. Well, that we have the the ceremony to officially turn Dennis Knight into Midian. <laughs> okay. So it so <laughs> so it starts with with again. There's this there's this monologue that's being played over the PA system. It is okay, right? Okay, good. That the Undertaker <laughs> is trying to mouth along to. <laughs> no, he's okay, not. Okay, okay. He's not at all. I think he's just sitting there. No, everybody, you see his mouth move. And, and all I know, all I know is after watching the, the last ride, I'm wondering if he's sitting there thinking, you know what? Cops get a bad rap in this country. <laughs> I swear to God, I I was watching this going. This is like the Hall of the Presidents. <laughs> like I've never. <laughs> I've never seen a human perform worse than animatronics, but holy shit. Wow, guys, I am so glad to hear this because I I will say I definitely watched a lot of this footage very under the influence of things. And so when I got to this part, I was like, whoa, wait, what? I was like, very, I was like, is it, is it me? And of course, like, Nathan doesn't watch this with me, so I had no way of confirming. I was like, I can't tell. Like, well, I am really fucked up right now. Holy shit. But no, okay, but then it made sense. Okay, great. I'm glad it wasn't just me. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. And then I couldn't find anything on I was like, I'm pretty sure he was like lip syncing for his life. <laughs> not for his life. Certainly not for his legacy either. For his like literally. <laughs> is this oh my God. is this I... a weird thing because I'm stoned, or would other people find this weird? <laughs> Four scores seven years ago. <laughs> also, is this the grossest version of Paul Bearer? Yes, yes, yes. Like, like, like again, shoe polish black, um, black hair dye and mustache dye, but without the um, the pasty white face to to add to it. Yeah, it's bad. This is real upsetting. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a a real mix between what he became when he was managing uh, Kane and what he was with Taker. It's uh, it's all blended into this whatever this is. Do you guys? Uh, did you? But how long? How long into an Undertaker monologue do you just start hearing words and and nothing like makes sense? I can't. Oh, say, as I can't say exactly, but I can tell you as soon as he starts speaking, quote unquote, Latin. It always takes me a minute before I'm like, oh, wait, when did he switch? When did he start talking about it? Because like, it all starts sounding like that eventually. Because it's like, and in hell, I will introduce to the world the hell that I am introduced. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, it, it, I was I was going to say the, the Latin, the, the pig Latin or whatever that he speaks is a perfect example of how, like, without meaning the English that he speaks is like, he'll say things like, like uh, pain is punishment and you will find the unearthly delights of suffering. I'm like, well, which is it? Is it punishment or is it a delight? 
You're like a really dumb Cenobite. Like you're just, just like the dumbest. <laughs> Wait, are they supposed to like it? I don't remember. Uh, it's it's the disappointment of delight. Mm. Oh what? man. Yeah, and as we all know, famously, Chatterer was the dumbest of the Cenobites. <laughs> he couldn't even get into Arizona State. <laughs> but, well, he had a scholarship, but it was just for, like, volleyball. Um, at one point, he says the Ministry of Darkness seizes the land. I'm like, is this the Cultural Revolution? Like, what land? Like, are you going to re-educate the intellectuals? The... The bourgeoisie McMahons must be taught of the land. And then he just he is cribbing from Hellraiser, and then he just straight up quotes Thulsa Doom from Conan the Barbarian. Oh, what does he say? Uh, we will show them why they uh, why they are afraid of the dark. We will teach them why they fear the night. I mean, honestly, it could have been Andrew Lloyd Webber, or it could have been Conan. <laughs> I don't know. It's just crazy so, to watch that the, that the Undertaker is the Undertaker we know today. Like this guy is like the most like revered, uh, yes, superstar of all, of all time. Because this is some high camp shit here. Well, were people chanting like bullshit while they were doing this? I think they were. I don't know what they were chanting. I know you didn't know what they were chanting. I was hoping Bobby knew what they were chanting. No, I caught some chants later in the show. Well, we can we could chat about but this one didn't stick out to me probably i was so stupefied by like truly what was happening and wondering okay. if I was maybe, out, maybe i was out of sync with time okay also this is the point this is by the way the point where he's talking about like he's doing the induct the induction of dennis knight and he starts talking about like the chosen ones and i'm like first of all if dennis knight is one of your chosen ones and, and JBL. i think you better look at the process <laughs> yeah right like look at your process sir <laughs> Like I feel like I feel like the ministry has to release one of those like PR emails where they're like, "We've heard your voices and we are re-examining our hiring processes." Uh, we obviously listen. We fell short of you, and we need to you know think about what our priorities are and who gets put into positions of management in the ministry. I will say the funniest thing, the hardest I laughed during this entire thing, the entire all of this content was when they have Dennis Knight on the table in the robe. They open his robe to expose a chest. And at the exact moment they do, <laughs> someone in the audience gets picked up on camera, perfectly going, Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> I yep. fucking died. <laughs> that is the funniest thing. They're doing this super, se- super serious sacrifice. And... <laughs> And all of a sudden they take out, and of all people, and it's Dennis Knight too, which to me is even funnier. They open yes. his shirt, they expose what surely is not his chest. <laughs> and then this person in the crowd just letting out that beautiful cat call whistle. It was perfect. The wolf whistle was amazing. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So wait, you think it wasn't uh, his chest? Right? Well, That's I, my I guess. My guess was the knife was hollow, like like a ketchup bottle. No. And they really? they were just like squirt, like squeezing the knife and squirting blood wherever it like trailed. I guess yours that... makes more sense that it's got like a cavity that they cut into. Yeah, that it's like a RuPaul's Drag Race like false chest that they wear, except instead of having like big like supple female breasts, 
they have uh like it's just like kind of like a peck and then when you cut inside it it's it's it's, it's full of jelly <laughs> <laughs> i was i was i was like oh was there a whole bunch of like of jelly underneath where he could have just cut anywhere and done whatever he wanted yeah, actually uh after kind of like a light bright yeah, they, out of the segment, they actually just covered it in powdered sugar and served it in craft services. <laughs> Paul Bearer no, went no, back no, for we found out We found out that's salt. That's salt. <laughs> what uh, were you saying? I said Paul Bearer went back for seconds. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so what happens? Uh, Undertaker cuts into his hand and fills up like, some kind of goblet, cuts the Undertaker symbol into Dennis Knight's chest. Dennis Knight drinks the blood, we're now rechristened you as Midian. Lightning crashes, now, quick, quick. and old mother cries. The Undertaker symbol goes up in flames. <laughs> okay, question. First of all, is was uh, was Undertaker releasing a viscous substance into the into the cup for them to drink? <laughs> Where does the line end? That's what I want to know. What are the boundaries of blood? Well, our bodies are full of viscous substances that carry ourselves. <laughs> Oh, a suspension. A suspension, if you will, yes. By the way, uh, I, 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 as we all know where this, where this proceeds, Midian is one of the four horsemen of the ministry with um, uh, mean and mode and range. That's a, big, that's a little statistics joke for you. No. No. <laughs> I like to find the. I'm sorry, we won't. We won't allow that one. Sorry. I like to find the Midian of the of the group. No, no. The Midian grade here. No, but. (laughs) (laughs) No or. Okay, January 18th. We are a week before the Royal Rumble. Seven days. So six days. Six plus one is seven. Um. Midian has a I was so proud of that math joke. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Midian has a new silk robe, blah 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 blah. Um Undertaker comes on later and says that Midian was abused by corrupt politics, which uh didn't really ring too true with the uh Confederate flag going emblazoned on his arm. Oh. What? Well, I- to me, it was just like, like I was like, you know what? Some of this is actually like almost like shooting, right? Because he's like, he's like, uh, you were like bullshit for a while, Dennis Knight, and now as Midian, you will actually have some more meaning. That at least that was what like I read between the lines on that, where he's just like, you were boring, you were super boring and bullshit, and now you get meaning in my ministry. But maybe I was like projecting a lot. No, I think that's right. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, and so Undertaker says that he will be showing up to uh, the Rumble, and soon that there will be another to join Midian. Uh, I do like he ends this promo at, at some point uh, towards the end, saying, "Attend if you dare." And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is this? What is this fright fest at Six Flags? Like, what is this?" This is so cheap. Attend if you dare. Two for one on weekends. You bring a Coca-Cola can. <laughs> Undertaker is working at the spooky house at Cody Island. He's running a hayride on the weekends. <laughs> Try it. 18 and over or with permission of a guardian. Moo. 
You must be this tall to attend. You just got a jumpy spider out of fishing wire. Like, Ooh. <laughs> Don't miss our apple cider donuts. <laughs> Who wants a hayride? I, before um before we go into the Royal Rumble, I do want to take a, a minute now to remember who could have been the next person to be added to the Undertaker's ministry, and that was Dan Severn. Before he left, <laughs> before he left, the the people in charge told him that they wanted to paint six 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 on his forehead, right, 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 and be a member of the ministry. And there is an insane interview online where he is like, "Well, I told them that I'm not going to have some youth pastor come over and douse me in holy water when I'm out with my family." <laughs> I was about to say, um, if anybody gave off like real Mormon vibes, <laughs> like. Like uh, elder elder uh, Severin, it's it's definitely Dan. You must yeah, accept no. the purity of evil. <laughs> Have you uh, heard about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? <laughs> well, so then we go to the Royal Rumble. Um, that night, Mabel was brought in, in at the beginning of the night to soften up Mankind before his I Quit match with The Rock, which we all know left Mankind pretty soft. Um, but then Mosh is supposed to enter. Mabel beats him up backstage and enters himself, eliminates four when the lights go out and the gong hits. The Acolytes in Midian come to the ring they force Mid, uh, Mabel out of the ring, and Undertaker hypnotizes him. They're definitely playing loose and fast with the Undertaker's powers through all this. Yeah, yes. there's there's like a the power of Satan compels you sort of element yeah. to it. Um, Mabel and Undertaker though they have some history. Uh, they met in the 1995 King of the Ring tournament that Mabel went on to win and become known as King Mabel. Um, and then King Mabel was supposed to have a real push after that, met up with Diesel at SummerSlam. Um, but in the lead up, there was a match where he was doing a sit down splash. But um, Mabel is not a good wrestler. Surprise, surprise. And put his full weight on Kevin Nash. Uh, compressing his spine and making him lose some feeling in his feet. And he almost got fired from that immediately by Vince McMahon, but Nash convinced him to keep his job. So he then went back to feuding with The Undertaker, gave him a leg drop that was supposed to land on his chest, but instead landed on his face and crushed his um, orbital bone in his head. Jesus Christ. And that's why Undertaker was wearing like the Phantom of the Opera mask there for a little while. Um, before we were watching, they ended their feud with a, a casket match at um, one of the in your houses. And I just wish that that was some of the stuff that kind of like got played up in here. Like that kind of history stuff would add an extra dimension to, again, what, what amounts to just like, hey, I've got some new muscle. Right. It's basically like they're not. Um... 
they're they're not very subtle about what it is they're doing, right? It's like uh, it's like when you take some like you know action figures that have been at the bottom of your of your closet, and you're like, well, you know what? Time to start like putting nail polish on them and like changing who this person's gonna be. Like it's just like whatever. We've got these garbage guys who are sitting around doing nothing. Let's like let's bring them into something and 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 just like fill it out. Find some use for them. Storm Shadows joined the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But you're of two different worlds. First of all, Storm Shadow is never a uh, a throwaway guy. I, I'm thinking more like I don't know uh, who is it, like the the sailor guy, um, shipwreck. Shipwreck. Who the fuck cares about him? Oh, shipwreck is great. Well, shipwreck will always hold a place in my heart because there was an insane episode or series of episodes of the G.I. Joe cartoon where Shipwreck was trying to get this formula and wakes up in this town where he's married and not a G.I. Joe anymore. And then everyone's face starts to melt because they're trying to get whatever this secret code is that he has. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know. By the way, Shipwreck was based off of. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was based off of Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack Nicholson's character in The Last Detail. So there you go. Oh, that's a good movie. I haven't seen that the in, last in detail. a long time. Um, yeah, with uh, with Randy Quaid and uh, and Jack Nicholson, and I think Daniel Stern. Maybe I don't know. I think so. I don't know. Anyway, that was uh <laughs> Helena Nichols. Uh, On January 25th. Yes. <laughs> Midian now has painted nails and an eye in a jar of formaldehyde. And a nose ring. I think. Do you have a nose ring at this point? I think so. Does he, does he have a nose ring too? He does. He gets a little nose hoop. Okay. <laughs> it's the 90s, y'all. Just put it on all the stuff. Um. Yeah. Uh, Al Snow and Road Dog are... Being hardcore together, they're interviewed by Kevin Kelly backstage when they're just attacked by the Acolytes, Midian, and Mabel. Um, well, have they called him Viscera yet? Nah, I don't no believe problem. so. No, I don't, I don't remember. So. Yeah, I'm not sure. But then it just like have they what? Have they what called him Viscera yet? I don't think. No, so. I don't, um, I don't think so. Um, but then the camera just moves very quickly to another part of the backstage area where Undertaker has his flamey chair set up. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, I was, I was going to say, I think Undertaker is like Metron from the new gods. Like he just rides around on, <laughs> on his throne everywhere. Or Professor X. He kind of has. Yes. Like yeah. A, yes. Like a, like, like a model like that. There's the, the, he likes it cause there's extra cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he uses Cerebro to find underused wrestlers around and uh, and recruit them to his cause. But he tells us we are coming close to a holy war of epic proportions. Sure, man. Everything he says is epic. It's like it's like he's either describing bacon or the ministry. Which brings us to February first: Ministry versus the Brood. Um. And this is where, like, the Acolytes are fucking badass. And we're going to see it more later that night. But um, the Brood are getting on top, and then the Acolytes just show up and just start beating the shit out of them. And I love it. Um, the The refs then try to break things up, and the Brood fight the refs out of the ring. 
letting the ministry beat them down. Um, and then Michael Cole calls it a bull rope. If a bull rope is the thing that was in Bubba Wallace's garage, uh, and puts a Oof. noose around, um, Gangrel's neck. A white noose. Is that symbolic <laughs> of something? As one of the commentators asked. Oh man. Like, not the first time. Oof. Not the first time we're going to talk about that. No, of course not. Um, I also want, but I do want to talk about uh, all of the boogers in Grand Girl's nose. Can we talk about that? <laughs> no. So gross. I guess I also sort of, I, I know this doesn't track necessarily, but you know, I was just sort of assuming that we were operating under true blood rules of vampires, which is that all the liquids in their bodies are blood. <laughs> so therefore they cry, come mm-hmm. and sneeze blood. And so it was just disturbing to see this vampire who has these vampire teeth bonded into his actual face have a little oney nose. Like, that was a very weird thing to see, I feel like. A vampire with snot in his nose is not something you've seen portrayed in pop culture too often. <laughs> Literally, just watching the close-up of Gangrel's eyes bulging as he's as he's being, like, strung up was real, uh, real tif- difficult to watch. The whole thing was very upsetting. Wait, Bobby, was was them coming blood? Was that canon on True Blood? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I straight remember, no, I remember them no, crying. Yeah, blood. they have no other liquid in their body. It's all blood. Everything is blood. So, well, that that explains why they want to drink it because they need to just fill yeah. up their body liquids. <laughs> that's, that's, yes, that's literally the science, you guys. <laughs> uh, I see you too got a minor in vampire studies. <laughs> And Aaron hasn't watched it at all. (laughs) Did you study abroad living a gothic lifestyle? No. (laughs) I took vampire studies at Arizona State with Chatterer. (laughs) There will be such unearthly pains. And they're like, no, no, it's not a pain. You're supposed to like it. No, I'm taking this class Uh. pass fail. (laughs) You will have these non-commitment feelings about pain and suffering. Uh, so by the way, uh, speaking of disconcerting, does anybody else think that like Christian is always a little bit worried when the brood is entering and they're surrounded by flames? <laughs> I think Christian's the only one who's like looking down at all the flames around them going, uh, this, they're going to keep where they are. Right. <laughs> Guys, this is, this is real fire around us. <laughs> like, uh, we know what happened to Michael Jackson. Please. No. So later in the night, we've got uh, Road Dog and Al Snow versus the Acolytes. Um, Bradshaw with the fucking steel stairs during this, just like tossing them willy nilly, was so cool. Three hundred pounds, three hundred pounds of them. And the bell table, even I was impressed. I don't see the bell table, which granted looked like it was a piece. It was like a couple pieces of plywood leaned against each other, but still, he picked it up and he threw it, and I was like, damn, that looked like it hurt. Like you know, you know, came up collapsed when it hit. I think Al Snow. Uh, but yeah, then throwing the stairs, the 300-pound thing is just hilarious. As you watch him throw around this, like, essentially aluminum foil staircase, uh, you could hear how hollow it is. Also, this this match, like, was a pretty good hardcore match, uh, but it went from hardcore to hard to see. Um, I don't know what kind of lighting they were going with for this match, but, like, maybe it was my, you know, me and my computer, but, like, I could see shit for the end of it. Some of the crowd stuff, or at least was, when they were when they were outside. Some of the crowd stuff and the outdoor stuff w- was was a little bit hard to see for sure. But I don't know; they're still kind of oh. getting their uh, getting their legs with these kind of matches. So, it, so it, was the 
Oh, well, sorry. Go on. I was going to say, it did feel like, you know, the, the thing, and I think what Aaron and I, one of the things I think, you know, I'll speak for you, Aaron, but that I really like about the Acolytes is just how fucking hard-hitting they are. I mean, mm-hmm. like, they, they, they really, they don't leave a lot of space. They, you know, or they, they do some, they, they do some real shoot punches in there. It's just like, you could tell they're, they're, you know, they're real tough guys. Mm-hmm. And Al Snow doesn't pull any, hold anything back either. So I think when you have a match like this, I think those spots with the bell, with the bell table, with the stairs, with Bradshaw and Al Snow, like you're getting the it's a, they're so good because they actually are beating the shit out of each other and i think that they do, it does just carry a different weight through the screen that's cool by the way so the question i wanted to ask was um was the fan who attacked bradshaw a plant <laughs> i don't I would say absolutely yes I would say yes, but also Bradshaw is, is the one person that I would assume would just like punch the shit out of a fan. Like not even was, with well, with does, beer getting thrown. I agree with that too, and I think that probably also has happened. I feel like during this maybe like even the weeks preceding or maybe it was earlier this episode or even just in the segment, I was like really noting how security was keeping the fans away when they're fighting in the stands. And that guy did seem like uh, suspiciously, like left to his own devices in an otherwise empty part of the crowd um, when that Bradshaw yeah. thing happened. Like he did have, a, he had some space around him, and yeah. it doesn't, it wouldn't have made sense the way the security works. So I, I feel like he had to have been a plant. But like, to what purpose? Because like, you know, like it wasn't like he comes in later. We don't ever see him again, or do we? I don't know. But was it just to show like how badass like uh, Bradshaw is? Well, as it was... we learned in the secrets of wrestling revealed, sometimes it's a grandma or a little kid, <laughs> and it's there to get something called heat on the heel, which is the villain. Oh, we're supposed to hate him for knocking out the guy who threw a beer on him. But okay. guess what? They're in on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's you a fucking it's idiot. a secret, you dumb motherfucker. You moron! That guy's getting a a, a pizza with his father later. <laughs> But also that kind of um, that also provided a bit of a distraction so that Road Dog could get um, a little bit of momentum before Viscera takes out Al Snow out back and um, Farouk is able to come back in for the finish. So when you're building these two guys as like an unstoppable force like you have, you need to have some kind of like distractions along the way that stop them from just being completely destructive. Yeah, but. By the way, Viscera, um, after Mabel becomes Viscera, he looks like XXL Morpheus. <laughs> uh, I have him uh, at ne- for next week. I can't remember if we saw him wearing the same clothes, but definitely, well, I guess let's wait for next week and I'll bring it up uh, in like the next week's episode. Uh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, so then at the end of the match taker comes out with the druids and the druids are unmasked revealing that they are the brood the bruids <laughs> the druid <laughs> wait is that not how you pronounce druid oh okay <laughs> you see guys median is a mathematics term median sounds like it it's so good i wrote the druids are the bruids with a big exclamation point that was my big note from that guys i have something to admit that i'm not proud of i think that the brood were my favorite wrestlers at this time wow i don't have a problem with that number one top favorites 
more because top of all time. Yeah, no, that's weird. But more than DX, more than I, I remember, I was not. I was a mark, so I didn't really. Uh, rock was a heel, so I didn't like. I wasn't like. I didn't appreciate the rock. Uh, I thought Austin was overexposed, so I wasn't really like. Into this all, we, we, you know, we don't, we all know what's happening with the Undertaker. DX has sort of slipped down the card a bit and broken up, and is like a, a shell of its former self. So who else am I supposed to be rooting for? Sable's turning heel, even. So no, like, I mean, who else are like the big face stars in the company besides Austin? Uh, I mean, I think that's fine. Like, because again, at this point in time, the Godfather is my end all be all number one favorite wrestler. <laughs> okay, true, 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 true. And at this point in time, uh, <laughs> Mick Foley is my favorite because this is my first time watching any of it. So uh, sure. I picked right. At this I point in time, Eric was busy having sex. Uh, wait, is this 1999? I was not having sex. 1999, Eric was putting on a down payment on a house. He was getting ready to retire. He had a couple more years reevaluating stock options. All right, so this all leads to um, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house. We've talked about it before. You don't need to watch it again. We didn't watch wait, it wait, again. Are we skipping over the Viscera versus the Godfather? Your favorite wrestler? From the Wait. 13th, wasn't that before? Yeah, it was the 13th. So, right, because oh. wasn't St. Valentine's at the 14th? Or yeah. no? Oh, shit. I completely huh. missed that in my rewatch. Sorry, guys. That's okay, but at least... Bobby. Oh, really? Because you, you put the note of it. What's up? Oof. You put the note there, though, right? Yeah, no, the the, the like, time code's yeah. in there. I just forgot to rewatch it, so I, I need someone else to uh, to walk me through this. Um, oh, uh, Midian has a disgusting eyeball uh, in a jar, and it's gross. Um... Viscera is fighting the Godfather dressed in what I have deemed Baron Corbin couture. It's uh, <laughs> black <laughs> slacks from a big and tall, and then he's in a black shirt with a black silk waiter's vest over it. It's again, it's very Baron Corbin, uh, like supervising manager at the local TGI Fridays. Um, and he beats the Godfather. He gives him a bunch of splashes. Jerry King Lawler wonders, um, what did I call him? Jerry the King Lawler wonders uh, who's taking care of the hose. That's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Well, they also say like they also say, "Look at Viscera's eyes," and I'm like, "I'm looking at his teeth. They look like unpopped popcorn kernels." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got right. some ugly ass teeth. Uh, yeah. So that that's about all that happens there. All right. So then again, we go to St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, and sorry about that, guys, but. Um, we had Midian versus Big Bossman. Nobody watched this. Uh, at the end, the Ministry descends on the ring. Viscera just delivers three big splashes. The Ministry takes him away. And I guess, were we supposed to wonder if Bossman was also being indoctrinated? Is that... I think so, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is silly, because it's like, never mind, he, got, he escaped. Never mind how. <laughs> uh, yeah, they... They play with our expectations a lot, and it happens later also. But like every time someone comes into it, like every time they they come after somebody, I'm like, oh man, is is Al Snow going to be part of the ministry for a little while? I get so excited for all these things, and it's just like, nope, nope, it's still just the guys that you don't care about. So the following week, they say, yeah, they just say we let Boss Man go, as if that's a thing that the evil people do, just let people go. No, they actually open the door and say, go on, get, <laughs> get out of here. We don't want you. We don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, picturing the ministry, Harry and Henderson's big boss man is very, very funny to me. 
<laughs> As Big Boss Man just walks away into the woods, <laughs> just like turning around and looking at them. And then he runs into his family. There's just a bunch of little cops that come out. <laughs> They they like hug him with their with their nightsticks wrapped around him. Just go, just go. Except it's not the forest. It just says "Welcome to Staten Island." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is also the week where we hear Taker owns the key to Vince's heart and soul, which was made into an amazing piece of fan art by uh, Joel Wyant that we'll put up on. Uh, put up on all of the socials later on this week oh I, it's it's funny because i actually i i took note of that and i just wrote i was like man another taker valentine i forgot that like I, I forgot that that was the exact quote that uh that we got as an actual valentine so yeah it, it, it all tracks um insane what an insane thing to say but at least um at least during this week, Undertaker gives us a little bit of motivation. Um, he, Amazing. He wants to take over the WWF, and we get this tease that there is a higher power that Undertaker answers to. So the ministry wants to own the <laughs> WWF. They, they're like, we have formed... And our, our our destiny is to own a wrestling promotion. We have formed a limited liability corporation that we wish to merge with the WWF. <laughs> yes. So it is written in the good book that the burning bush said unto the devil that thou shall file articles of incorporation in the state of Connecticut for tax purposes. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, the the um, like the lines from like the the, the Passover like the Haggadah where it's like <laughs> and the, and there they dwelt under Goshen and there it became a federation. <laughs> And so Vince begot unto Shane. <laughs> Within the Necronomicon, bound in human flesh, there lie 51% of all stock options. But, like, also, for just for a minute, I want us all to imagine what it would be like if the ministry succeeded. <laughs> like, what would, what would the Ministry Wrestling Federation be like? Would it be like, like, just like more funeral dirges at the beginning instead of fireworks. Like what would they, what would they do as their promotions? Who would their like announcers be? Would they keep JR and, and Michael Cole and King? It would like, be Guar. What kind of everything would be Guar. <laughs> it would be the change that they would change the name of the show to raw is Guar. I just imagine I, I just imagine like Undertaker sitting at the in the in the office like going over the scripts for the next Raw's Guar and just going I have made a huge mistake. Why did I why did I think I could do this? Midian comes running in he's being like, "Sir, sir, the bat budget. The budget for bats. We're in control. We're gonna, We're in the red on our bat budget." <laughs> We purchased all of the car trunks that you asked for, but 
It's really expensive. They're actually all attached to cars. Next up, motion to replace all contents of beer trucks and hoses with viscous red liquid. Approved. All approved. Aye. Board has approved. You are fired, and it's unearthly, and it's a punishment, but revel in the joy. But please leave your badge with front desk security. Here is, here is a box for your belongings. We'll send everything else in a car. You will risk- We always do this on a Friday, the Devil's Sabbath. But also the beginning of the weekend. It's a lot easier for these for everyone. You will receive your severance after you file this NDA. <laughs> Please uh uh if you'll just go through your exit interview. <laughs> It's Paul Bearer. (laughs) (laughs) Did you find the working conditions satisfactory? Would you recommend the sacrifice to a friend? (laughs) One at a time, guys. One at a time. (laughs) Uh, In every review, they tell them that they weren't able to sacrifice enough. Like... You wouldn't go up on the cross-like symbol. Oh, fuck. Um, actually, though, the se- um, sexy office legal exchanges, I think, is... No, actually, that's not in the letter. But there is... Um, are, we, are we up to the part where, he, where Undertaker confronts Shane? Is that what we're talking about now? We're going to get... Oh, the, okay. Yeah. Well, okay, so well we're, so we're on that week. I we're almost there. Really, I forgot where we left off on our notes. So, yeah. um... Taker, tag, right? Taker says he wants to take over the WF. Bossman's like, no, you're not going to take over the WWF. And to prove that, we're going to have a three-on-three tag match tonight. Uh, Bossman, Shamrock, and Test versus the Acolytes in Midian. It's a yawner. Lights go out. Taker comes out. The Ministry um, hold, have Shane. Uh, and the Ministry holds off the Corporation. Now, Bobby. And then, and then Undertaker. Then have, yes, sexy yeah. um, legal threats, or so I thought at first. I thought I thought Undertaker was giving Shane his raw submission packet. <laughs> Here you'll find one desk bitch and two men on the street <laughs> segments. There is a self-addressed stamped envelope inside. Please avail yourself of it. So under between representation. Okay, sorry. Go on. <laughs> I've got the key to your formula and your comedy. So, um, yeah. So Undertaker hands Shane a um, an envelope and says, "Give this to your father and tell him it's from the Lord of Darkness." <laughs> you know, Who is me? The, the Undertaker. I, the Undertaker, am the Lord of Darkness. If tell him it came from the Undertaker. Address, he doesn't have to do this. <laughs> Well, Look, actually, it says it on the envelope. Lord of Darkness, Ministry <laughs> Avenue, P.O. Box. <laughs> Ministry actually, Avenue next to Jabroni Drive. <laughs> it's an inter-office envelope. So they just have to write the department on the outside. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot simpler than that. But, uh, right, like, there's a box that says take charge. 
My favorite part about this segment, though, was how long it took The Undertaker to get the envelope out of his cloak. And yes. at one point, he was trying really hard not to reveal it, but at one point, you can't help but hear Velcro tear apart. <laughs> and there is no less intimidating fabric than one that was made, like, in the 20th century for children to tie their shoes with. You know what I mean? It's not chains or claps or hooks. He's got a fucking Velcro scary devil jacket on. It's like, give me a break. What are you, too scared of a zipper, you pussy? What are you doing? Listen, uh, wrestlers and strippers have the same aesthetic. You need to get in, get out. Get that shit off quickly. Angel Garza has it right. So next week on February 22nd, Vince comes to the ring and says, he hopes you brought your marshmallows because tonight we're going to have a good old-fashioned roast. Not not a comedic roast, he says. Say, then Jeff Ross gets up from the dais. Ugh. <laughs> too soon. Tonight we're going to be roasting human flesh. So bring a marshmallow, because if there's one thing that human flesh cooking will make you have, it's an appetite for dessert. Yeah, I was like, God, that's so disgusting. I hate sweet and savory. (laughs) (laughs) Hannibal's All Seasons, now available on Netflix. Uh, So tonight we're going to have a Inferno match between, um, uh, between Kane and The Undertaker. Um, before that, though, we get to see the Brood versus Public Enemy. Have you seen these guys yet, Eric? No, but I really like their tandem moves. <laughs> Should I not? I, I, I was like, thank God these guys didn't last. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, at first, I was like, this is stupid. But they had a few tandem moves, like, in you know, when they were wrestling. I was like, okay, this is fun. Okay, but like, I. Do I want like you know multiple matches of them? Probably not. Uh, maybe maybe the you know the next pay per view or something. I'll uh, I'll have a, a different idea of like just how good they are. I don't even know if they show up in a pay per view. They're not around for very long. Oh, good. Yeah. Fuck fuck them. <laughs> they also their jersey said like sixty nine. I was like cool. <laughs> I I feel like the other one was like, can I get three numbers on a jersey? Can I get four twenty? And they're like, no, it, it doesn't go that high. <laughs> Fine, double zero. Uh, can I do 96? I don't know. <laughs> I like to be facing away from the other person. <laughs> I just I just really like it when people rest their head in my butt cheeks. <laughs> um, so someone gets involved that isn't supposed to. This ends in a no contest. The lights go out and there's a bloodbath. Um, backstage, the druids... The, the druids... The brood, the druids. <laughs> me and my druids went for a bit of the ultraviolets. Uh, backstage, oh, the brood are beaten down for. Can anyone finish that sentence? Uh, failing him, right? Yeah, they failed him. We believe in rules and fair play here. We want to get our wins the honest way. <laughs> You must know what discipline and pain and suffering are, and you must enjoy them. What? What? <laughs> yeah, at least it wasn't a monologue yet. Oh my god! It like as he every time he talks, it just washes over me as just like it's like Pacific blue all over again. <laughs> just like whoa, whoa, what is this? Where am I? So backstage, Vince is making Kane promise that the Undertaker will fry. 
and burn in hell. And then we get more evil word soup out of The Undertaker as well. Well, also, uh, Vince seems convinced that that Undertaker will be cremated in this match, <laughs> which like, like the the terms of the match are pretty clear. It's whoever whoever gets lit on fire. Um, cremation is a very intense process. It requires a lot more fire than like just a, a like a third degree burn. Oh man! Well, like, well <laughs> actually, I'll, I'll save it. But that led to one of my favorite exchanges during this the, the match that comes up yeah i'm just saying like temper your expectations vince like like just you know go for what is achievable also by the way why does king keep doing inferno matches they don't turn out well for him <laughs> this is a guy who's been like traumatized by fire already and every single time it doesn't go well yeah you don't ask king kong to keep doing tall buildings matches <laughs> oh man yeah no it's it's called uh fey ray on a pole match <laughs> so the inferno match happens later that night um vince is on commentary during it lets us know that the envelope is personal and we'll just leave it all at that but partway through the match paul bearer shows up with a black hat box that's all wrapped up and we know that it's wrapped up because uh, King says it's all wrapped up, to which Vince says, that man's going to be all wrapped up because he's not going to be representing The Undertaker because he's going to be ashes. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that about wraps it up, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, like, again, he's not going to get cremated at, at best. <laughs> at best, he might need a skin graft. <laughs> like, what is going to happen? It, he's not made of flammable material unless all of his viscous liquids are gasoline. Also, how do you know that that'll wrap it up for Paul Bear? Maybe this is the career change he's been waiting for. <laughs> By the way, where do they go for that kind of black hat box? Is that like Nordstrom's? Does like, you know, like who does that kind of? It, it was very fancy. It reminded me of like the inverse world. Like if if the ministry had been like, our destiny is to produce the movie Love Actually, and they got like Rowan Atkinson to to make the gift for uh for vince you know what i mean like oh he 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 brings the sprigs and he does he puts it in with the uh with the 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 box with the candy no? uh, okay i don't know eric but 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 ministry love actually is now all i'm thinking about and how much money they would spend on bats for that <laughs> I mean, you know the you know the Rowan Atkinson scene, right? Yes, in the store. The special when he's taking. Yeah, the special. Is. Yes, it's it's like the it's like the most it's the funniest part of Love Actually, I would say, right? It's a very low bar to clear, but yes, <laughs> extremely oh, Love Actually again, my favorite holiday film, which uses nine eleven as a framing device. <laughs> yeah, yes, clearly a very terrible movie, uh, but I mean. Just like, like that's a that's just a pure moment of like very good comedy. Like, like don't make a big fuss of this. Oh well, you wanted the, the extreme uh, gift wrapping. Sorry, Eric. I stopped. I stopped listening to you. Now I'm picturing the Ministry doing their version of the Family Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, or or no, the Ministry doing all these things is what happens when Skeletor like <laughs> yes. has to learn about Christmas. Yes. 
So you give Ugh. each other gifts and they explode? <laughs> it's a madcap comedy, but all of a sudden the Undertaker has cancer? <laughs> Is that why he wears the bandana? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so the king the king does his best uh Brad Pitt from Seven one you know what's in the box what's in the box what's in the box and where it's revealed that it is a teddy bear. It's Bobo. It literally I was texting Aaron those, <laughs> those gifts from this it's literally Bobo. It's it looks exactly like it. <laughs> Right. This is uh this is the, the 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 time when Adolf Hitler has Bobo and is holding on to him. Just goes, Damn you! Uh, I um, Vince does some great acting here, though. He opens that box and like his face drops, and it's like uh, he really sells it. I think he used all of his acting juice for like this scene because there's later scenes where his acting. <laughs> His acting is a little bit, uh, oh, I he's, don't know, incomprehensible. He, he is feasting on the scenery at the end of this segment. But, he's just um, walking around kind of like, uh, but I, I don't understand in the beginning what his, why, like, what was the purpose of the beat of not opening the box? He just like, it, I'm not opening it now. It's like, well, please, it's like, I'm not opening it now. Well, you really should. I'm not opening it now. Open it. Okay. It's like, what, I would, what was the point of that? I would say not giving um, Undertaker the satisfaction. He knows that it's what Undertaker wants him to do, so not giving him the satisfaction. That's yeah, how it's, I a, read it. it's like a sort of playing to the top of his intelligence of like, no, like I know they're trying to goad me. I guess you guys just probably know me well enough to know that that's like an impossible. I, I can't <laughs> even fathom the possibility of being handed a box and told that there's something for me inside it and not opening it. Like not knowing what, what it is. What uh, if I handed you a box? With something for you that you don't know what it is, but on top of the box I've written, this is a prank. Oh, no! <laughs> or, like, I give you a box and it's, like, literally dripping in viscous <laughs> liquid from the bottom. And well, I'm like, do you want to open the box? It's for you, Bobby. I would definitely open it. I want to know if it's full of raspberry <laughs> jam. <laughs> like Midian's chest. It's, oh, it's a fake chess piece, what I've always wanted. Uh, but I sold my real chest to buy you. No! <laughs> oh, God. The match is We're fine. Stuck in the Magi loop. Um, the match is fine. It's it's not as good as their first Inferno match. Um, but I think a lot of that is just that all of our attention is to what's going on on the outside of the ring. Um, which is sad because when they, you do something cool and special like this, you would think that they would want everyone to kind of be paying attention to that. It just also, it, well, you, also, you would never see an Inferno match on free TV these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, also the problem with the Inferno match is, like, the ending is always a little bit... I mean, it's kind of predictable at this point. Or at least in two Inferno matches, it's been predictable and in the second one, it's a lot more, okay, this time it wasn't his arm. This time it was his foot. I don't know. Maybe next time it'll be his other foot. It's a little <laughs> bit like the hokey pokey. Like, you put your right arm into the fire, you take your right arm out. You put your left arm into the fire, then you take it all about. Yeah, it's like only body parts that you could find on a twister board. <laughs> <laughs> no, shaking it all about is the worst thing you could do. Stop dropping <laughs> rolls. <laughs> 
Very good. But then Vince is, why? Why? And then Taker lights the bear on fire and then, no, no, Khan. (laughs) That bear burned. Like, Mm -hmm. that, that bear is a fire hazard for children. Could you imagine? It's like those, those, like, um, the the pajamas that like kids were that kids used to wear that were like highly flammable. It's definitely like something that that Dan Aykroyd character from Saturday Night Live. Was selling, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the bag of razor blades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bag whatever. of broken glass. <laughs> yeah. Bag of broken glass. Yeah. This is Johnny, Johnny Human Space Fire Commander. John, yeah, Johnny Human Torch. I think was one of them. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a bunch of oily rags. <laughs> Not for blind kids. <laughs> Um, but no, it's it's cool to to even just watch Vince lie on the ramp watching the teddy bear burn at the end. Yeah, it was a good shot. We've got so much to talk about with this story. We're going to have to save the end of it until next week. But until then, love us, disagree, want to deliver us a mystery envelope full of indecent photos, punish us with suffering and the joy of pain. Huh? Let us know. Email us at helladacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam, and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again with Ministry Part 2 next week.